Welcome into the Basketball Index Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and today we are talking about the aging population curve or whatever they call it when they talk about there not being there's too many old people or whatever it is. Um, I wanted to look at the elderly, the elderly statesmen of the NBA and see what kind of value you get for players beyond their age 35 season. So a lot of rumors with uh, Dame possibly being traded with James Harden, possibly being traded. And the way I see it is like, okay, Dame's going into his age 33 season. So he's not like old yet, but he's getting, he's getting up there. And James Harden is heading into his age 34 season. So if you trade for these players, it is likely that you will have them for the next several years and you will have them past the age of 35 past kind of their prime and just sort of looking at NBA data for a long time generally age 35 is sort of the cliff for most players where it's like over the last decade there's been like about 40 guys that have played over the age of 35 like there's just not that many there's about 20 25 guys that have played more than one season after the age of 35. Again, that's over the last decade, 25 guys. It's really not that many because basketball, it's a game where you run and jump a lot. And that does not, I mean, I'm 31 and I'm not doing a whole lot of running and jumping anymore, but uh, the closer you get to 40, the tougher that is. So basically what I did is I looked about over like the last decade. So like the LeBron database goes back. Actually, it's about to go back a lot further. We're uh, we're crunching the numbers. We're going to have it going back all the way to like 2000. But what I wanted to do was look at around the last decade of players. I wanted to look at performances in the age 36, 37, 38 and beyond seasons. And I wanted to look at what kind of value you got for players at that age. Because like generally, like I said, the age curve or the age cliff or whatever you want to call it is about age 35. Like there's just not a lot of guys in the league after that age. And a lot of the time they're hall of famers because like, they're just so darn good at basketball, like age 37, they like basically can't move, but they know the game. Like their skill is so good. Their knowledge is so high. They can continue to play at the NBA level, which is pretty nuts. But I wanted to look at exactly how many of those players are really productive and we're going to use the LeBron scale for that. So LeBron is our all-in-one metric, and it basically just looks at how good you are compared to the average player per 100 possessions, like how many points you're worth. And so the scale is like, if you're plus five in a season, that's really good. That's an MVP caliber season. Uh, plus four is all NBA. Plus three is all-star. Uh, plus two is top 40. So it goes all the way down, right? And then if you're a neutral player, like zero, that's like a top 125 season about again these are estimates they're not exact numbers but i just kind of wanted to like show you if you're ever using the lebron scale yourself you'll see it i tweet it out all the time just like a rough estimate of how to use the scale but today i just kind of wanted to throw that out there but i'll be calling the seasons by what they are like an mvp caliber season an all-star caliber season etc other things to know so we're using the lebron scale to look at players over the age of 35 those seasons right you have to have played at least a thousand minutes to qualify because like it doesn't matter if you're if you're 37 years old and you played 120 minutes in a season that like didn't have any real impact on the outcome of your team. So it doesn't really matter. I'm not looking at those. But uh, one other fact, there was about 40 guys over the last decade that played past the age of 35. 
So again, 40 guys, really not that many. About 25 of those guys played more than one season. So like there are a couple guys that just kind of squeak past and they play one season till they're 36. And like I said, that that's why the cliff is at 35. There's just not a lot of people playing beyond that. So it's about 25 guys over the last decade. It's really not that many playing multiple seasons. So when you're looking ahead to an aging player or a big contract, I feel like this is really useful stuff to figure out like what kind of value can you get for a player over the age of 35 and is it worth it for your situation right so a lot of the times you'll see like a like a player like James Harden it's not really about like let's just say he gets traded and he signs like a 3 or 4 year extension if you're that team you're not really like you're probably like I'm not going to be competitive when James Harden's 39 on my roster making a lot of money, <laughs> but if I can win in the next year or two, it's worth it. So like there are trade offs, right? There are things where you're like, okay, I if you zoom out and you you look at it through the the whole kind of like the lens of what the team is trying to do, sometimes those deals make sense. But well, I'm getting off track. Let's take a look at active players and who has been producing after their age 35 season. So there's only five active players that have been basically above average players uh, in their age 36 plus seasons. It's Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, uh, PJ Tucker, LeBron, and Al Horford. So that's it. That's the whole list of guys in the league right now that are producing at an above average rate or have produced at an above average rate after their age 35 season. So let's look at Chris Paul. His age 36 season, he was performing at an all-star level. He was playing pretty well. Last year, there was uh, a pretty noticeable drop-off. Still put up top 40 numbers because Chris Paul is, there was, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, but there was a player, I worked at Pro Football Focus, and I remember I was talking to one of the analysts before a podcast, and he was talking about, there was a middle linebacker, he was on the New York Giants, and he wasn't grading out that well that year, he was pretty old at the time, but the analyst was like, well, I don't know how to capture this, but he knows how to get the entire defense lined up every play, you know, on the same page, they know what coverage they're running, and he is like a, a important organizational piece to their defense and I feel like that's what Chris Paul's value still is like there is a there's an organization when he is on the court that like still provides value I think you see that reflected in LeBron because they don't I mean I mean maybe they could but it wouldn't be as valuable they don't really have on off (laughs) in football because it doesn't work the same way as basketball I think some of that's captured in the luck adjusted on off data with Chris Paul where you like you've seen his O LeBron value, his offensive impact. That's that's considerably lower now. And last year you could feel that it was lower. The defensive impact is still pretty good, but overall, like provides a lot of stability to a team, especially in the regular season. In the postseason, you can make an argument that like it, it didn't really look like it was there. But uh, also, that was the end of his age thirty seven season, and you like obviously some of that value he's getting at the beginning. So like there is a, some aging that's even going on in the season. But Chris Paul at age thirty. 36, which was two years ago, he was playing at an all-star level. And then last year he played at a top 40 level. After that, Kyle Lowry just put in his age 36 season. He was playing as about a league average player. So we put him in the top 125 where like still providing value as an NBA player, but it is difficult on that contract because he's getting paid like 30 mil a year or something. Uh, after that, PJ Tucker was around a league average player 
uh, for his age 36 season. That was last year, or sorry, two years ago on the Heat. And then this year, he was a, a pretty large negative. He was actually one of the worst players in the league in LeBron this year in his age 37 season. So Kyle Lowry just coming off his age 36 season, still a solid player um, above average. And then PJ Tucker was above average two seasons ago. And then now he just played his age 37 season and he was a, a pretty massive negative. I think the cliff uh, might have arrived for him uh, after that LeBron. So LeBron has the most data because he's played. He, this was just his age 38 season, but his age 36 season coming off the title, he was still playing at an MVP level the year after that. The Lakers were pretty bad. His age 37 season, he was playing at an all-star level and then he bounced back this last previous year and played at an all NBA level. So the LeBron stuff is pretty nutty. You know, we talk about the age all the time, but I'm going to tweet this out also. Like this is a lot of information for a podcast. This is one where I wish I could just have this visual aid in front of everyone because it just makes it easier. But LeBron's production into his late 30s has been extremely high end. Like where if you just average the three years, it's been like an all NBA level player where like that's pretty crazy. And then lastly, we have Al Horford. He just finished up his age 36 season and he was, again, just like a slightly above average player. So he was in the top 125. So those are the five active players of those five active players. After the age of 35, right, Chris Paul has played at an all-star level and LeBron has played as high as an MVP level and as low as an all-star level. So again, there's just not that many guys in the league that are playing after the age of 35. Even now we're like the, the league is probably easier to play in from just like a health standpoint, right? There's load management. And then there's just things where like, you know, if you got your ACL fixed in the last decade, like it probably works fairly well. But if you tore your ACL not too long ago, what was it? Who's the running back from Friday Night Lights? You just never play. You're never carrying the ball again. You're not even playing running back. That college, that D1 scholarship's gone. So things like that make the current day league probably easier to play in for an older player. But I guess there's also the counter argument of like there's more young talent in trying to push you out. So maybe that's maybe that's a little short sighted. I don't know. I haven't really thought about that point till just now. <laughs> but uh, I want to talk about historically players over the last decade plus that have played past the age of 35, and what their production is. So uh, the first group of players we're going to look at, mostly Hall of Famers. Are they all Hall of Famers? They're either all Hall of Famers or they're all going to be in the Hall of Fame. So we got Dirk, Manu Ginobili, Tim Duncan, Paul Pierce, Pau Gasol, Vince Carter, Kevin Garnett. This was kind of my sample group of like, how well can you play You know, as you're creeping towards 40? So Dirk played till he was 40. Manu Ginobili played till he was 40. Tim Duncan played till he was 40. Vince Carter till he's like 42. This is crazy to play that long. But uh, so we have pretty good samples here. So let's talk about Dirk um, in those five years, right? He put up an all-star season. He put up two, two top 40 seasons and then kind of faded towards the end at age 39 and age 40 and was, again, he was above average for a player, but he was in that top 125 ranking. So again, all-star season, then two top 40 seasons, and then uh, two top 125 seasons. So really graceful decline by Dirk. And then I know he also dealt with some injuries. Oh, so like a big thing, there's going to be a lot of like, I'm just going to say it now, a lot of these players were dealing with injuries because they were just so old and like a lot of, you know, wear on the tire, a lot of surgeries, things like that. After that, Manu Ginobili, age 36, was an all-star. 
And then for the next three years after that was a top 75 player. And then his age 40 season, he was like a slightly below average player. He didn't, didn't hit that top one, 125 threshold. So again, for Manu, uh, age 36 all-star and then age 37, 38, 39 was a top 75 player, which is like pretty impressive. He's actually knocking on the door being like a top 40 player for two of those years. So that's uh, really, really impressive into your, you know, late 30s, age 40 season. And now Tim Duncan. So Tim Duncan's stats in his late 30s are absolutely nuts. They are insane. And it helps to like age, like height probably age as well. I know you're you're losing mobility, right? But being as tall as he is, is probably going to be helpful. But Tim Duncan at age 36 was an all NBA player, was like, not quite at MVP level, but he wasn't too far off. Then at age 37, same thing. Really strong All-NBA player. A lot of that value coming on the defensive end. And not super far off from MVP type production, right? Uh, age 38 season, all-star production, still really, really good. We were like, okay, that might be the cliff coming at 38. Then he bounces back at age 39, another All-NBA season. We're like at 39. That's like if LeBron if LeBron plays as well as he did this year, next year, that's about how well Tim Duncan was playing. Like that's to put that in perspective. I know sometimes when things are like, we all know Tim Duncan was great and we do remember him being a, a kind of ageless, but I personally didn't realize, and I mean, I was watching the NBA like somewhat at this time. I didn't realize that he was still at that level where I was like, oh, is he still a positive? Totally. But, you know, Mixed together with Ginobili, you know, just kind of their later careers, Ginobili, Tony Parker, Tim Duncan. Sometimes it was a little hard to figure out who was doing what. And then you threw Kawhi Leonard in there and it was like, like, are they greater than the sum of their parts? How much, you know, credit do I give, give each individual player? It gets kind of difficult there. And then uh, finishing up at age 40, Tim Duncan played again at an all-star level. So he just retired at an all-star level, which is pretty crazy. So it was uh, all NBA, All NBA, All Star, All NBA, and then All Star heading into his uh, that was his age forty season. So I mean, I guess he probably could have just kept playing. <laughs> like that's a crazy thing to think about. He probably physically just didn't want to because it's pretty difficult to play a whole season, especially when you're going to be forty one years old. But that Tim Duncan stretch in his late thirties is. I mean, that gives you a lot of hope. That makes you want to give some big contracts out because you're like, well, what if we get the Tim Duncan of this generation? <laughs> um, after that, Paul Pierce in his age 36 season was still a strong top 75 player. Uh, age 37 season, same story, top 75 player. And then his age 38 season, he finally just falls off the cliff and it was not a very good player. Uh, after that, Pau Gasol, age 36 season, was a top 75 guy. Then he was a top 75 guy again at 37, and then he retired. So he stayed a pretty strong player until retirement. And then Vince Carter, I'm not even going to go through it because it's just too confusing. It's too many years. But at age 36, he was still putting up top 40 production, which is pretty wild. And then after that, he three of his next six seasons, he was above average. And then a couple of those seasons, he was a little below average. And then at age 42, he wasn't really that good. But that's okay. He was 42 years old. <laughs> um, but actually looking at his D LeBron numbers, he was like a pretty solid defender throughout like the later parts of his career, which I don't know, it's just kind of impressive. Uh, but yeah, Vince Carter, again, top 40. And then just played like a bunch of years as kind of like an average NBA player. 
And then Kevin Garnett is the last big name I want to talk about. His age 36 season, he was playing at an all-star level. Age 37, he was playing at a top 40 level. And then age 38, he was playing at a above average player, like 125 level. So that I know this is like a ton of information. Again, I'm going to tweet this out. It'll get tweeted out on the Basketball Index main account, right? And you'll be able to look at all of this. But basically, the takeaways from this are Dirk aged really gracefully as a, a good player. And then like at 40, he's about a league average player. Mono Ginobili aged really well as just a really solid, like good top 75 player into his age 40 season to where he finally fell off his low blow average. Tim Duncan was just a monster. He was just an all NBA, all-star level monster just all the way through. I'm going to guess the first 15 years of his career probably went pretty well. <laughs> I don't have the data in front of me, but I'll make that assumption. And he could have just kept on trucking. Paul Pierce hung on playing at a pretty good level to age 38 and then it fell off. Uh, Pau Gasol played at a good level, and then he just retired. He didn't really actually even fall off to when he was 37. And then Vince Carter just played forever until he was 42. Uh, but yeah, that so there there are situations where you can still get good production. Like we're Dirk, like at age 37, 38, he's still playing like a top 40 player, right? He's still like pretty good. But if you're looking for a high-end player, that's really difficult. Basically, the only players that have played it at an all-star level or higher beyond the age, I guess, 37 and older. We had LeBron do it, and we had Tim Duncan do it. And then over the last decade plus, a few years, whatever you want to call it, nobody else is playing at an all-star level. So at 37, you just can't really find all-star level players. So I say that because if you're going to trade for Dame or you're going to trade for James Harden and they're going to eat up a ton of your salary cap right on the back end of that contract – it's you're probably not going to be competitive because even if the team is still pretty good, it's hard to pay a player $40 million that is not playing at an all-star level, right? It's just, it's difficult value wise. But I think the main takeaway from this podcast, how I've been talking for like, what, 18 minutes. Um, the main takeaway from this podcast is like, you, we really haven't seen anyone play at an all-star level into their age 37 season, except LeBron and Tim Duncan, where it's like, those players are probably LeBron's maybe the best player ever, second best player ever. At worst, I think he's the third best player ever. I don't think you really make an argument outside of that. And then for Tim Duncan, I don't know. He falls somewhere. I've seen him as high as like eight in people's all-time rankings. I've seen him as low as like, I don't know, like 13th, where it's like, all right, so they're both top 15 players to ever play. And they're the only two all-stars in basically the the modern NBA that and by modern I mean like since we started shooting a lot of threes <laughs> that are still putting up huge value. And I, I I am curious of the players on the list that are approaching this curve, who else could play at this level? Because going into their age 35 season this year is Durant, Kevin Love, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, Brooke Lopez. Where it's like, all right, KD and Steph, I think, have realistic shots too. Again, Next year will be their age 35 season. Then beyond that, to play age 36, then age 37, and still be at an all-star level, I think Katie and Steph have that possibility in them. It is hard with KD because he's just been injured so much over the last like four years. He's missed so much time. I'm curious to know how long he's able to continue his career, especially as he gets closer to 40. And then Steph... 
I think Steph's got probably the best shot out of any player coming down the next couple years of doing that. Uh, Going into their age 34 seasons are Harden, DeRozan, and Jimmy Butler. I doubt you're going to get all-star production out of them because, I mean, that's like that's quite a few years away. And then of the age 33 guys, we got Dame, Paul George, Drew Holiday, Clay, and Draymond, where it's like Dame has a shot. Paul George, I don't know. Paul George has been a two-way monster for a long time. If you can keep that two-way value, LeBron really likes the stat, really likes those types of players. So uh, it could Paul George, I don't know, 30, 37. That's a long, that's a really far away. That is, I mean, he has to play four more seasons. And then he's going into his age 37 season. It's like, I don't think I can project that far. I, I'm not comfortable doing that. <laughs> um, notable, notable top uh, top seasons for players. Kyle Korver made the list. Because Kyle Korver played until he was like, know, like 50 years old. But three-point specialist, he had uh, a couple down years. But then he had a really great year at age 37. He uh, put up a top 75 performance as a three-point specialist, like a movement shooter, off-screen shooter. So that was kind of cool. And then just some other notable players after the age of 35, Tony Parker, Dwayne Wade, uh, Kobe, and Carmelo Anthony uh, all played their age 36 season and all played their age 37 season. And none of them even played at a league average level. So again, Tony Parker, Dwayne Wade, Kobe, Carmelo, this is how hard it is to like play. And I mean, I know especially like Dwayne Wade and like Kobe, Kobe's leg exploded. So that's really going to zap your effectiveness. Um, A lot of injuries there and just like a lot of basketball to be played. So again, not really to take anything away from them. It's more to point out how hard it is to be productive into your late thirties. I think we see here that like Dirk had a pretty good aging curve. I think the size helps. Tim Duncan was fantastic all the way through his career. Again, I think the size makes sense there. And then LeBron is doing it again, size. I think it's harder, probably the smaller you are. I think it's pretty hard to stay productive. There's not, are there any guards? I mean, there's Chris Paul. It's active, but I'm thinking of the retired players. doesn't look like there's, I guess there's like, what was Manny like six, six though. He wasn't that small. So size, I think, helps you age a little bit. But, yeah, I just wanted to kind of take a look into what kind of value you can get into your age 37, 38 seasons with these big contracts that players are signing. Teams, I know they're kind of dealing in the now and not the future, but what are the the repercussions of how competitive you can be? But I'm here. I'm not against it. Where if you're like, hey, we're going all in on this two year window, we're going to trade for James Harden. Let's say you're the Clippers, right? And you're like, we're going to trade for James Harden. We're going to trade all of our picks, all of our players. We're going to have a big three, and we're just going to go for it in the next year or two. And then if it all falls apart, it all falls apart. But we might win a championship. Where it's like, I, I am, I am pretty pro doing that in professional sports in general because it's just so hard to even get an opportunity. So I'm not saying don't sign any. Because I think if you talk to like 16-year-old me, it will be like, oh, don't sign any big contract to a player in their 30s, right? Don't pay, what is it? Don't pay for hamstrings in their 30s. <laughs> I think it was an old baseball thing I read one time where it was like, I think it's easy to say that. But then when you're running a team, you're like, well, we might have a chance. Here. Like if you're the Heat, you're like, oh, if we mortgage the future with this uh, Jimmy Butler-Bam combo, we had a third guy like Dame, might win a ring, might win a ring. So yeah, that's that's kind of looking at the aging curve of players, what kind of production you can get in your late 30s from players using LeBron as a scale of sort of ballpark things. Because like, especially like looking at box score numbers for like 38 year olds, it's like, this isn't like the best way to do this. So LeBron per 100 possessions, I think was a better way to do it. 
if you want to see this, follow me on Twitter at Taylor Metrics because I'm going to tweet it out a bunch. I had a pretty good time researching this. I think this sheds some light on how I think of players. Because again, just classically where it's like 35 is the cliff. If you're a Hall of Famer, you can play beyond that. But then even looking at Hall of Famers, it's like, again, you're not getting that high-end all-star production after the age of 36 at all other than LeBron and Tim Duncan. There just aren't any other players like I dive. Well, I went, I looked, I double checked. <laughs> you can get some all-star production at 36. Dirk was playing like an all-star. Manny was playing like an all-star. Kevin Garnett was putting up all-star numbers um, in terms of impact. Uh, Vince Carter wasn't actually that far off. So you can get production at 36 from the kind of all-time great players. Uh, Chris Paul put up all-star numbers. Obviously LeBron did as well, but that that it's it, it just really it's hard to find value especially after the age of 36 really difficult um we've already seen though kyle lowry very good career but at age 36 just kind of kind of another guy nba wise al horford same thing so yeah it's gonna wrap it up for this episode my name is taylor again at taylor metrics if you want to see uh, a screenshot of the spreadsheet it's uh, I, I i used i i actually i here's the thing I spent a lot of time on the spreadsheet. All right. I, I made sure I spelled everybody's name right for the most part, which that may or may not have happened. Um, I used colors. I used bold. This one, I was, I actually made these notes because like, I'm going to, because I share the screenshots a lot with episodes now. Where I was like, hey, I'm going to go the extra mile here for you guys because it sometimes it's kind of hard to read. So I, I took the time. I actually messed with a few layouts where I was like, do I want a vertical or horizontal? I'll go vertical. So uh, I, it was a labor of love for you. Uh, if you want to you know, reciprocate the labor of love, if you could review the podcast, that would be fantastic on wherever Spotify, Apple podcasts, whatever, you, wherever you listen, uh, leave a review. Uh, greatly appreciate that. It's free to do. So if you like the show, that's how you can support us. I can't believe I've done like 100 episodes and never thought to ask that. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode. My name is Taylor, and we'll see you on the next one. What's my outro normally? We'll see you on the next one. It's just like a sentence. Well, I'll see you on the next episode of the Basketball Index Podcast.